Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Move Forward Anyway podcast, featuring dream-accelerating inspiration. I'm Jeff Meyer, your host, author, entrepreneur, and coach. My goal with this podcast is to help you identify and clarify your own dream by taking wisdom from others' successes and challenges. If you're looking to take action on your dream, to make a difference doing something you love, but your fears are holding you back, then this podcast is for you. If you're interested in finding additional support, you can also check out my Dream Accelerator coaching program designed to help realize your full potential and reshape your future. As always, you can learn more about my Dream Accelerator program at jeffmeyer.org. Using my Dream Accelerating formula, heart-centered entrepreneurs can focus on their dream, name their fears, change their mindset, define their next, and move forward anyway. Today I welcome Todd Nielsen. At a critical juncture in his life, born out of a need to care for his family more effectively, Todd made a big decision to leave his highest paying job ever and to not continue working 60 hours a week. He wanted to be free to do what he needed to do for his family. So using the skills he'd already displayed for his boss and his corporate consultancy, he decided to launch Clock Tower Advisors, which has become the go-to online community strategist. So be encouraged today, listeners. Todd teaches us that the realization of your dream could actually help you experience more freedom and live a more fruitful and balanced life. You don't have to sell your soul to the company man. Don't live with the regret of never trying, even if it means taking small steps to get started, even if it means starting out as a side hustle. You'll never discover the exciting future waiting for you if you don't try. Well, welcome back, fellow dreamers, to another episode of the Move Forward Anyway podcast. We're so grateful to be doing this. Uh, I am so thankful for the people I've met in this journey this entrepreneurial journey. And uh, our guest today, Todd Nielsen, is no exception to that. I've actually been working with Todd on a separate project called Neighboring Life, uh, neighboringlife.com, if you want to check it out. Todd's been so helpful and instrumental in getting this thing launched to try to help us neighbor better. Um, Our world certainly needs that. And I just realized a few weeks ago, working with Todd, we just jumped right in. I don't even know his story. So Let's get on a podcast so at least I can know more about Todd and your journey. So thank you, Todd, for being with us. Why don't you introduce yourself and let's just uh, let people know a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, and let me say, Jeff, I, I'm so grateful to be invited and, and honored to be invited on the on the show here. Uh, I, I know you've had a, a, a long time association with our friends from Aurora WDC and uh, when we were thrown together, as the fates kind of put us uh, together to work together on the, the Neighboring Life Project, um, you know, normally I've got a little more of an opportunity to introduce myself and where I come from you know, when I'm working more directly with a client, because you're sort of a, a client of a client. Uh, that, that was a, a little bit of a different situation. So um, thank you for doing this. And it, it's nice to get to know you a little bit better, too. And, My pleasure, know, man. Certainly, we've gotten to know each other better over the last year or so uh, in, in the journey we've taken together. But um, yeah, I think just to introduce myself, uh, I uh, run a company called Clock Tower Advisors, uh, which is uh, at the moment, you know, for the most part, a solo consultancy. Uh, I'm based out of uh, Two Rivers, Wisconsin, the, the booming metropolis of. <laughs> I love it. And give give me any opportunity, and I will tell you all about uh, this place that I live in because I've fallen in love with it, and I don't want to live anywhere else. Um, this is this has become home for me, um, even it. though uh, my my journey started in Western Pennsylvania, uh, where I was born and grew up. Uh, okay. So uh, yeah, so I'm happy to talk about that journey. I'm happy to talk about the work that I do with Clock Tower, which is a consultancy specialized in building online communities. And that's how we ended up working together. <clears throat> and then, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is probably career number four or five for me, but I think this is the one that's going to stick uh, over the longest time. And uh, we can definitely talk about that, too. Awesome. So how long has uh, you said this is four or five? Um, how long have you been doing 
work with Clock Tower Advisors? When uh, did you start it? So I started Clock Tower uh, in 2015. Uh, okay. So it's been around for about seven years. So it's not an accident. Uh, I, I make a living at it and, uh, and do comfortably well. Um, the, uh, the impetus for it uh, was I was at uh, a consultancy in Milwaukee uh, that was doing online communities. Um, great organization, Seven Summits. They've, they've since been acquired by IBM, done really well for themselves and really proud of uh, having come out of there. But um, <clears throat> for any of you that have lived in agency life uh, for a period of time, it is very high octane kind of work. Uh, so 60 hour work weeks are kind of the norm. Uh, it is not a lifestyle company. It is based on an investment you know, in that organization and billable time. And although I was comfortable with that, um, I was getting to a point in my life where my mother and father were getting considerably older, slowing down quite a bit. They were in Pennsylvania. I was here in Wisconsin and um, I needed a lifestyle change. I needed to do something. And I recognized in myself that I was, I was not wired in such a way that I could disengage or pull back from what I was doing at Seven Summit. So it wasn't really an option to do less than a 60 hour work week. You were <laughs> I mean, all in, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm an all in kind of person. And, um, and I think I kind of shocked, uh, you know, Paul, the CEO, when, whenever I said, like, I, I got to make a change. Um, and his, his reaction, which quite rightly was, why didn't you say something to us about it? And can't we you know, work out something? But it was me recognizing something about myself and the way that I'm wired uh, and the way that I work. And so I stepped out without necessarily having a plan, uh, except to say, like, I liked this segment of work or this, or this, uh, this realm of, uh, of building online communities. And uh, ended up very quickly getting networked with uh, a friend of a friend uh, who introduced me to Richard Millington, uh, who runs a company called Feverbee uh, in, the, in the, the UK. He's based out of London. Uh, and he was looking for a guy to help him set up a consultancy, to, to help him build out his idea for a consultancy, uh, the same kind of thing. And um, uh, we hit it off. It turned into about a year and a half of, or two of me working with him and his team. Uh, which I really enjoyed, and he's a brilliant guy. And um, and for me, it was sort of like going from one world class organization to another. But um, I ended up needing to create Clock Tower because I needed a business entity to do corp to corp billing for an overseas entity. Ah. very practical reason to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I think in terms of entrepreneurial journeys, it's a little bit unique because, at least I think it is, because I had to. I had kind of the training wheels client that was there. Uh, you know, I, I instead of going to work for somebody else, I set up my own my own business entity and, and set him up as basically a client where it was corporate corporate billing. Now I talked about myself as a, a member of Feverbee's team and mm -hmm. you know flew that flag. So Clock Tower really didn't come into play until about two years later when it was clear there was a, a divergence of paths, you know, in, in that in that journey. But um, as far as, you know, having an opportunity or, or sort of that impetus to start a business, that was awesome. And that was, that was the second LLC that I've started in my life. So uh, I, I can delve so back you, to the other. Uh, if so you, like. you started an LLC before you worked with Seven Summits. I did. I did. But it was, um, <clears throat> I don't think I had thought it through, but it was good that I did it um, prior to that. Yeah. I was working for a, a tech consultancy firm down in uh, Chicago at the time. It was it was during the uh, during the tech downturn, like two thousand eight or so, uh -huh. and <clears throat> I was uh, I was in a position where uh, I decided to do these events called uh, Milwaukee Job Camp. Uh, it was a series of about four events that we held. We we did them in the um, what's the name of the the, the casino down there. Um, it's escaping me at the moment, but oh, anyways, yeah, I, yeah. So, so there were basically, we, we held the event four times each time it got bigger. Uh, you know, we did, you know, we originally had 500 people and then it was a thousand and then it was 1500 and then it was 2000. And it was, it was during that period of a year, year and a half when there were so many people that were being downsized out of jobs who had been there, you know, in, in their positions for 10 years or more. And um, I was working in kind of the recruit recruiting world at that time and just said, 
uh, you know what, I, we need to do something other than job fairs because job fairs suck. <laughs> and I just said, you know, having lived through that world for many years and collected resumes at a booth and being bored out of my skull and, you know, a lot of desperate job seekers who just weren't, weren't a fit for, you know, for the jobs that I happen to have or, you know, just bad resume processing practices, all that stuff. Um, they, they, they're, they're soul crushing experiences. And they don't, they don't help anybody. And so I was determined that if the, you know mm. there was ever another tech downturn that I was a part of, and this is the one that came up, I, was, I wanted to do something different. Um, at the prior one that I had lived through, I don't know if you remember, they used to, be, they used to call them pink slip parties. No, I've never heard of it. This was, this was when the tech bubble burst in the early 2000s. Um, and people were out of jobs. And they would basically get their pink slip, and then they would go to a bar, and they would talk to recruiters. And so we would do these pink slip parties. And I thought, well, that's nice because it's different than a job fair, but it's it's kind of negative at the same time. Like, you yeah. know, like why am I celebrating my pink slip? So I knew I wanted to do something like that, but I thought there was an opportunity for a better kind of event around it. And I ended up creating um, what was called job camp. Job camps were something that were kind of being experimented with around that time. There was, there was some around the globe. I did some searches and kind of saw what was, what was available. And um, I ended up having a core group of people. We were all volunteers that came together and built this. And uh, the only reason I created an LLC around it was to limit liability. Um, I didn't have any visions that it was going to be a profit-making operation. It was never going to be anything more than a side gig. I wasn't looking to make profit on, about it. In fact, I thought that was important transparently that I wasn't trying to do that. Yeah. But the, you, the wanted time to protect, take, you wanted to protect yourself in the process as well. Yeah, yeah. But the time it takes to to build out a not for profit, you know, five hundred one c three, and kind of going through the hoops involved with that and the accounting for that, forget it. Mm-hmm. Easier to do an LLC and just say, hey, we never turned a profit at it, and and it was fine. So, so that was my first outing. It went fine. It went defunct, and then like I was ready the second time around. I knew what I had to do to yeah. to get a business off the ground. So. Okay, so you saw you saw in both cases. Well, the second time, Clock Tower Advisors, you you already had a built-in client relationship, and you needed to find a way to be able to bill, charge, receive income, right? So you created the LLC. Yep. But I know you, and I know that you you do this work, and you did that work with the job uh, job camps mm-hmm. because you saw a gap. You saw something that wasn't working, something, but in that realm, you thought you could make a difference, but do it better. That's a lot of entrepreneurs' story. They see something that's happening, and man, I could, we could do this differently and do it more humanely, knowing you. Um, so tell me about the gap that you see with the online community, especially. Uh, building online communities. Why are you doing this work? Why is this important to you? Yeah, I, you, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I, I often talk about it as God's work, you know, to to do because I I think and it, and you may literally interpret it that way because I I think that it is about connecting people, and uh, you know, our neighbor is not necessarily the person who's living next door to us anymore. Our yeah. our yeah. neighbor is the person who is. Um, you know, in a, you know, somewhat similar to us, or they've got a, they've got, you know, something that they're trying to learn or that they need, or, you know, that we find them, um, mm-hmm. in some place of affinity and, and that's often online. And, uh, I, from much earlier in my career as a recruiter, I was, uh, I was an early evangelist for social technologies. I'm sure that's shocking to you. Yeah. <laughs> Social media. DNA, you know, right, right. So uh, so LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, like when those things were coming into the fore and I was working as a recruiter, I was always an early technology adopter. And I, I looked at these things and I said, this is going to change the way everything works. And so I would go anywhere that I could to talk about, you know, the promise of what these things would do. I talked about it internally at my company. People threw rotten tomatoes at me and said, why in the world would I share my connections? You know, I'm a salesperson. That's my lifeblood. You know, why would I show my connections with anybody that I do business with? And I said, well, I didn't make this platform, but that's what it's going to turn into. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and I was right. In fact, the, the CEO, the, the COO of that company would, you know, every time I, I bump into him and I, I stay in touch, 
he'll say, I ah, remember when you told us about LinkedIn and we were throwing rotten tomatoes at you. We, <laughs> so, so I, I was convinced of the business value of these platforms and these tools. And as the space grew up, I, uh, I think I was fortunate in that I always kept a sense of play uh, about the usefulness of these tools. Mm. And um, for me, that was originally playing some online multiplayer games and getting to know people through discussion forums and through wikis and through live chats and learning about the power of those kinds of interactions, how those interactions can kind of turn toxic if you don't, if you don't watch them. But if you set the, the, the guide rails, you know, for what those communities are about, they can actually be very powerful, thriving places for people to connect. Uh, and so I've ended up, although I didn't realize it at that early point in my career, but I've ended up in this space where I am fascinated, obsessed by, and love creating situations where uh, we use this technology, this, <clears throat> this mediation you know, point with which we're using right now yes. uh, to, to have conversations. And I, you and I've never met face to face. I look forward to that yeah. day when we do. I, right. Uh, but and we're uh, in the same state. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you can, yeah, keep going. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but the, uh, the opportunity to use these mediating technologies to truly connect uh, with other people, to form friendships, uh, lifetime, you know, experience. And, and, and I was, like I said, I was fortunate to encounter that very early on in uh, online games where I formed friendships with people that I've maintained to this day. Um, mm-hmm. Many of whom I've never met, I'll probably never meet. Um, so a few who I've met. And, 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 and I think what it, for me, uh, it, it meant was, uh, you know, building a career around helping people see what the potential of these tools and platforms can do. And in more recent years, it's really kind of wended away from the social media platforms, which are kind of the open party for everybody all the time, to these more private experiences where uh, there are clear boundaries for the communities that I help create. Um, there are clearly people who belong in, and there are people who you know belong outside of. Not that you're trying to be exclusionary, but you're stating the purpose um, mm-hmm. for, for a space. It's a, it's a liminal space, literally. There are limits to it. And you're talking about the purpose of that space so that people can select whether they belong there or, or not. And you're trying to create trust conditions so that they can really thrive in those, in those spaces. And I, I love uh, figuring out you know, what those things look like and helping with the technology to make it as seamless as possible and then helping you know, build great organizations from it. And I think it's, to answer your question, I think it's so important because so many organizations have thrown up their hands and said, well, we'll just do a website that's a brochure um, or we'll do a social media play where they're really just kind of blasting out information and they'll have some feedback from customers, but it's not real connection. It's not real you know, integration or really engaging with your, your base of fans or followers and the people who really care about what you're doing. Only online communities can do that. And I think many companies are now, because of the pandemic, because of the great resignation, they're now coming to a realization that they need to do something about that. They need they need a commons area where those conversations can happen. Wow. So you mostly work then, I was going to ask you, who's your who? Uh, who do you do this work for? Do this mostly for <clears throat> companies, businesses? Great question. Yeah. So it's varied. <laughs> it's really varied. It's varied. Yeah. I would imagine. Uh, I, I've probably most frequently worked with uh, business to business style organizations mm-hmm. um, and with not for profits uh, as well. So, you know, I've, I've had among my clients organizations like Greenpeace, uh, you know, where I work with them for their community building efforts to help train some of their community managers um, I've, uh, done some, some things for some mental health, you know, style organizations and continue to, uh, you know, right now, uh, I've, I'm working with a, uh, a former colleague from Feverbee, uh, that I, that I mentioned a little bit earlier, who is, uh, working directly with the national health service in the UK, um, wow. providing an online safe space for 
home care and acute care workers for mental health and well-being. Uh, so like I get to work with these cool mission driven, uh, kinds of organizations, mm -hmm. um, but I like working with, you know, straight businesses too. The only ones that I, and it's not by design, but I haven't done as much work in the B2C space. Um, the principles tend to be the same. Uh, but, uh, I, I kind of like the B2B side of it because a lot of times they haven't thought through the complexities of how they're going to interact with their business customers. And it's kind of fun to, to work with them through, through those, through those questions. Um, general public is a little, that's a little bit of a different animal to work with. Uh, like if you, if you have a Fitbit, um, you may or may not know this, but they, they have a very thriving online community um, for their customers mm -hmm. where they offer their ideas, they put up challenges and game and, and games, um, but they they are actively engaging, you know, with a with a, a base of users. Same thing for Airbnb um, and, and Sephora and you know dozens of other B2C you know, kinds of companies. Um, I just haven't worked with them, you know, quite as much. Wow. So you you ventured out, you uh, left corporate um, <laughs> consultancy, and you started with this uh, fever bee relationship in, in the UK. Um, there, there had to have been some reservation, some hesitancy to leave uh, the 60, even though it was 60 hours a week, grind for someone else there was a there was a safety net attached to that right of course. Um, yeah. i deal with a lot of entrepreneurs who realize that their safety net if they're going to leave their safety net that there's freedom in that but there's also risk in, involved uh so talk to me share with us some of the reservations you had and how you decided to move forward anyway yeah well i mean you're right i, I was in the highest paying job of my career um I was getting good financial incentives to, to be there. Um, I worked with amazing teams, like the people that I worked with there, you know, I would have stood up at the gates of hell with them because they, they were amazing, intelligent, creative, resourceful people who I've stayed in touch with by and large, you know, over, over the years. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was, that was a tough call. Like, am I, am I, am I abandoning my post? Am I leaving, you know, mm. these, people that, uh, you know, that, that, that to some degree, you know, at least, you know, are getting air cover, you know, for me, uh, on, on projects. And I think that, uh, you know, that those were considerations, you know, the stability of, of it, certainly, um, it was mitigated somewhat by the fact that my wife was working, uh, at the time she, she was in a full-time position, uh, with, uh, American society for quality, um, at the time and had a great job. She was there for many years, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think those were, you know, it was, it was tough to, to walk away uh, from some of that, but, um, there were a lot of things that tipped me over the edge, uh, as well. Um, from a career standpoint, I wanted to be more focused as a strategist. Uh, and I felt like the work that I was doing was most valuable in that space. And I was kind of wearing a dual hat of being the guy that was, writing the projects and it was the customer success manager and managing the teams and the strategist mm -hmm. um, at that time. And I, I had wanted to make a more, a little more of a shift into that role. And it was clear to me, it was one of those situations where the, the bosses are saying, we want you to be fulfilled in what you're doing. Um, let's keep talking about this, but let's keep talking about this means this isn't a good time for us. We really don't want you to change, you know, what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so right. and I was kind of reading the writing on the wall, you know, with what was there. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that made it a little easier. And, and also it was just um, like, like I mentioned, my, uh, there were family reasons, you know, my, um, uh, my mom and dad were slowing down yep. a great deal. And more, more I, freedom to care for them. Yeah, I, I foresaw that it was there were going to be situations in the coming years, and I was right, um, where I would need to drop everything and just run to Pennsylvania and try to help you know take care of them. My wife and I would have to go and just be there, you know, for them. Mm -hmm. And um, that's always been important to me is taking care of family, and that's that's a that's a critical thing. Um, so as much as I like my career and I like my work, um, it's got to fit with my yeah. whole self. Um, it's got to work. <laughs> 
I love that. There's a there's a really valuable lesson there that sometimes in the entrepreneurial journey, we can lose track of what's really the our essence of our values and get caught up in building the thing, you know, pursuing the dream and lose track of the other things that, that are part of the dream too. And that is family relationships, uh, not being overwhelmed with work and being obsessed with work. Um, really important to keep that in mind as we, as we build our plans and pursue our dreams. Um, who is, who has been, what have you used? Uh, what are the access points for your, your community? Uh, who helps, who has helped you stay in the game, not give up, push through the, the challenges that inevitably come? Who has been that community for you? This is, this is a hard question that gives me pause because I've always had a complicated relationship with mentors. <laughs> okay. I've, I've, Tell me more. <laughs> in that, in that um, I think we always have this vision of ourselves as like, you know, going along a path and then sort of having sort of that guru or that person that sort of says the guiding words to us or, you know, sets us on the path or, or does something like that. And I don't know whether by chance or by dint of my personality or or whatever it is, that person never came along um, for for me. And it, and it's not that I'm by any stretch of the imagination a self made you know kind of person. That's not that's not yeah. what I'm saying. But I think it's that um, we have this sort of sense like, yeah, who do you go to? Like, who's the sort of the wise old soul that you go to? You know, for mm-hmm. for direction and guidance. I never really had that person intrude upon my life for good or for ill. Mm-hmm. Um, except that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a reader and, uh, and I, you know, I take my inspirations from many places, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, from, from literature and, uh, you know, I, I was career number two was, I was going to be an English professor. Uh, so I'm pretty well versed in English literature as a whole and specifically in Renaissance, uh, Renaissance England literature, Wow. Uh, and so that, you know, so I, those, that was sort of a wellspring of inspiration for me over time. I was a big fan of John Milton and Paradise Lost. I was going to be a Milton specialist, um, with a lot of work that I did, um, got to study with some really great scholars, you know, on, on that, on that space. And, um, so, so I, you know, I'll go back to writing, uh, you know, an awful lot. Um, I'm, uh, I'm always sort of like searching for, things that are adjacent to or seemingly unconnected to the discipline of the work that I do. Like this similar question happens to me all the time. Like when I'm talking to other community professionals and say, what, what books do you like in our space? And my, my knee jerk reaction is to say, well, I don't, I don't like any of them. They're not in our space. I don't like any of them in our space. Right. Right. (laughs) It's so like, I, I kind of shrug my shoulders and I say, you know, yeah, I'd rather read sociology or literature or philosophy or like, there's always something that's coming at me from another direction or cognitive theory or, or whatever. And, and, and so, yeah, you know, like for a long time, I was addicted to life hacker and, you know, and, and some of the things, you know, about productivity and, and sort of changing your mindset. And, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm always looking, you know, for, for new kinds of inspirations around that. And uh, strangely, you know, one of the, one of the inspirations that like new, I'm, I'm a big e-newsletter guy. Like I, I probably get a, maybe a couple of dozen different kinds of e-newsletters. And for the longest time, there was a, a, a British uh, author uh, who was originally a comic book guy that I liked an awful lot. And he's had some personal problems with sort of his life and lifestyle things, but I've always liked him and his ideas um, and his writings. And he's actually one of these guys that's a source of inspiration for me, you know, from mm-hmm. time to time, because, um, like I'll like he, he writes this newsletter every other week about sort of his, his journey and sort of like what, you know, how, what he's writing, how he organizes his thinking, how he gets ideas, what kind of literature stands out for him. And so for me, he's always been sort of one of my secret weapons of, uh, just doing things a little bit different, um, than everybody mm-hmm. else. And so I, I love eclectic opinions and people that are coming from vastly different spaces. Which is perfect. It suits you and what you're doing, right? I mean, you're trying to create those kind of communities for your clients as well. Um, and I, our world needs that. I mean, we've had a lot of, at the, at the time of this recording, 
uh, we've had a lot of uh, things happen in the last few weeks that show us what happens when we can't connect with each other and have an eclectic conversation. And it's what's, it's what's spurred Amy and I on to creating neighboringlife.com, right? Um, same reason. And yet it's, it's hard to get, to get people out of their, uh, what would you call it, echo chamber of their opinions about what's going to fix everything and realize that their answer is one small piece of the puzzle of the ultimate solution. So how do you, how do you, now I'm jumping into just community, building community. How do you, how do you do that? What are some principles that help people converse and really get to know each other and appreciate each other? Yeah, I'm, it's a huge question as, as you might yeah. expect, but uh, there, I mean, there are some baseline kinds of things uh, about establishing a safe space, establishing a tone uh, and setting some ground rules uh, for, for what's acceptable discourse uh, within, within a space. Um, you know, those, those are kind of the table stakes, you know, kinds mm. of things, but then the magic of conversation is where it really, that's, that's where the rubber really meets the road. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I don't know that I have, you know, any special answers for that, except that uh, it's about creating surprise and delight and offering something unexpected that creates curiosity um, for others. I think curiosity is the spark of good conversation. Um, and I know, you know, based on one of your last webinars, that was something that came up that really resonated with me. Mm. Um, that uh, you know, having that curious mindset is a gift, and being able to create curiosity is an even bigger gift. Um, you know, to, uh, to 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 get people intrigued enough that they want to hear more, uh, rather than uh, I think so often we have trouble building a sense of community in online spaces because it's just all text-based, you know, yeah. so much of it until we get into a live zoom comp, which is much more like a free flowing live conversation. We don't, most of us don't naturally express ourselves through text as, as, as well or as effectively as we do in person, because we have all of these other tools available to us. We have, you know, the look on our face and sort of our mm. ability to gesture, body language, tonality of voice, like suddenly we're straight jacketed into text and, and not all of us are, are trained writers to understand tone of voice and audience. And, and I think that's where we get into trouble uh, a lot of times. And so, uh, you know, learning how to express yourself well in those spaces and to create curiosity is a real gift um, to be able to, to, to put across. Um, I try to, what I try to do as a consultant is to stack the deck in the favor of those organizations that are trying to create conversation. So I'll give them ideas about the kinds of questions they may want to create, sort of the cadence of connection and offering value, um, helping to create, you know, mm -hmm. curiosity around that. Um, I mean, that's the, to an extent, it's the lightning in a bottle that you're trying to capture. <laughs> um, but if yeah, you do, there's some there's some science behind it, right? There's some, yeah. but it's really art, right? It's really the secrets in the sauce or in the pudding, right? And yes, you, you knowing you, you are perfectly designed to help organizations do that. Um, I, I always appreciate your input on what we're trying to accomplish in a webinar or what we're trying to accomplish in the community and how can we do it more creatively, more engaging. And um, that's always so helpful because that's the business I'm in, right? I want to engage. I want to engage people. Yeah. You're, you're a community builder as well. I mean, I, yeah. I saw that from the first moment that I met you and Amy, that, uh, yeah. that, that you, you guys are engaged in the same kind of work. Um, and it's, and I think that you're, because of where you come from and the nature of, of, of what you do, um, you're a little closer to the heart of that than I think the business world tends to be. Um, where, where I usually have to have the difficult conversation with an organization is they'll say like, we've got this great accounting software. We want to build a community around that. And my, my first statement is you're not going to build a community around that. Um, you know, communities, um, 
they're they're somewhere on the spectrum between a family unit and a state. Hmm. You know, communities yeah. are sort of this this sort of central area where it's maybe a tribe or a village or this grouping of people that have something in common uh, with each other, and they've got some shared values and some things around that. And being able to communicate that is is a tough thing to do. And I think where we often kind of head down the wrong path is we lean too far towards the state side of things where it's very transactional, um, it's very legislated, and mm-hmm. and it's not very organic. Um, communities form because uh, there's most easily they form because there's something existential about them. There's there's something that is at the heart of my identity or what I believe, what I believe in. Mm-hmm. And so like, I always have that, the talk uh, with a customer when I sit down and I, and I say, well, what does this have to do with the identity of the people that you're trying to, to help? You know, you know, early, if you think of the earliest Neolithic communities, you know, if, if you want to think of it in those terms, um, communities form because we are either really hungry and we need to hunt the woolly mammoth or the woolly mammoth is trampling all of our people and we need to do something about the woolly mammoth, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been seeing a lot on Facebook the last 48 hours is yep. we need to do something about the woolly mammoth. And right. everybody has an opinion about what they we should do and that will fix it. Uh, but it's still there and it's not getting fixed. Yeah. Yeah. But that's but but that's something that's more likely to coalesce a community than to say. Uh, yeah, let's form a community around accounting, you know, let's, let's, you know, and, and less like I am, you know, polishing my pocket protector in my, you know, in my, in my calculator, like, that's probably not me, you know, that's not me. Yeah. So let's, let's just take that example. So how would you help that company that came to you with that request? See that the people they work with and uh, that are in their company could use a community, but it's not around spreadsheets. It's about, it's around something else. What would that something else be? It's it's probably in that case about a community of practice um, that is about welcoming more people into the fold Mm. and helping them, helping them to gain confidence around the tacit knowledge of a profession in other words, this, this, you know, I think of the police mm-hmm. lyric, the things they would not teach me off in college, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so bringing people into that, uh, that inner circle of what it is to be a part of that profession and creating pride of being a part of that group and sort of understanding what it means to be sort of in that, that in, in group around, you know, so a lot, a lot of, Community building is around creating a little bit of peer pressure, <laughs> and you know, and and wanting to be some of the cool kids. Um, that's a that's a healthy impulse um, because because that's what gets people to kind of join. That you know, uh, you you want to go where the energy is, uh, and and so helping people to see uh, what it is to be a part of that profession and to be proud, proud about that. And then to be, and then to recognize those people that have attained some achievement, um, within that space, there, there are always hierarchies in, in community and, and that's okay. Um, because when I see somebody that's doing something that's getting them attention and I think, wow, that's really cool, but I could be that person. Yeah. That, that impulse immediately is, you know, it, it's not necessarily ambition, but it's, or, or jealousy, but it's like, I, I can offer something really good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do I do that? And so like, I'm very interested in those social dynamics that kind of help get people from one spot to another, you know, and, and, and gain that kind of, um, I, it's probably too highfalutin a way to call it uh, uh, self-actualization, but uh, you know, a, a sense of attainment maybe. I am. Um, I'm going to nerd out a little bit with you here because I'm so intrigued by this. So, Bear with me, those of you who are listening. Uh, you know, this is about entrepreneurship and helping you achieve your dream. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little personal here. Um, one of the challenges I have in my dream pursuit is I am an early adopter of things with technology. Okay, so I'm ahead of the game in my tribe 
most people ignore me. They, in my tribe, they, they look at me weird. Like, what are you doing? That's not what you should be doing. Um, because I'm out on the front edge of stuff. And with that comes danger. So I saw this post today from Todd Herman. I don't know if you know Todd Herman, but he's a business coach slash motivational coach in New York City. Um, uh, and I follow him and he posted, always be on the lookout for tools that help you uh, communicate what is the best about you something like that, or leverage what you have to offer. Always look out on the, and on the surface, I thought, yes, I love this. And on the backside, I'm like, I have gotten myself into trouble with getting enamored with the next shiny tool that comes down the pipeline. Yeah. So my question for you, a long way to get to the question is, and I, I put the question in the post actually, and, and there's no response yet, but I, I said, so how do you, in this day and age, when there is a new tool coming out, like every single day, it seems like to me, especially if you follow something like AppSumo, right? Where you're just getting all do. these lifetime yeah. offers on all these things that help you get your voice out into the world. Some of them are really good and I want to sure. incorporate them, but a lot of times it's just a massive distraction. How do you maintain an openness to new technology that will help you build communities? get your voice out, do what you need to do as an entrepreneur. And on the other side, stay focused on your work and not get distracted by all the opportunities. Yeah. So do you even know what my question was? <laughs> I, I think I, I think I do. You know uh, I mean, the question of shiny objects is, is one that uh, you know, it, it's tempting for me as well. Um, but I think I've, over the years, I've, I, I feel like, um, the lesson I learned, uh, back when I was at a tech firm and I had some people reporting to me was they were easily thrown when I would try on a new technology yeah. to see if I liked it, they would adopt it. But by that time I had decided it didn't fit my workflow and I had abandoned it. <laughs> Moved on. Yeah, they, they were like 10 steps behind you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I have that happen all the time in my church workspace. That yep. my staff just looks at me like, oh my gosh, he's bringing another one. It's another tool. And every, and, and though, so, and, and that you've clearly identified yourself as an early adopter guy. And I'm, I'm, I'm in that space too. Uh, but the, the, the middle of that bell curve is the, you know, the most people. And they don't like to adopt new stuff. In fact, oh. we're, we're seeing a lot of exhaustion right now yeah. because of all the innovation and creation that, that, that's gone on. And, and you know, I, I, I hear it all the time with some of the local groups I'm involved with here in Two Rivers, like uh, another, another tool, another platform, or, you know, oh, if I got to do one more Zoom meeting, I'm going to lose my mind. And my attitude is usually not very charitable towards them, which is suck it up, people. This is the suck world. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Uh, but, but your question though, is like a little more on the community side. How do you keep people folks? Like, how do you remain open to innovation, but you keep, you keep yeah. a focus? I mean, I think, or even as an entrepreneur, like, yeah, cause yeah. you have to, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and sell anything or offer your voice to the world in any capacity in this world, you are going to have to, you're going to run up against technology at some level. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to look at it um, through two lenses on from the entrepreneurial side. <clears throat> um, one is, is, is it going to help me do my job better? You know, uh, you know, it, if it improves what I do in some salient way, then it's probably worth, you know, investing in. And uh, number two, is it going to give me some kind of competitive advantage? Is mm. it, does it let me do something? Is it, does it give me a superpower that other people doing what I'm doing don't have? And, and I've, I've definitely made some strategic investments, you know, on, on that front. So like I'm a community management professional, but I've bought into social media analytics tools and SEO analysis tools that I know some of my fellow consultants 
haven't bought into, haven't, haven't decided to use because it's advantage for me, you know, to, to do it. And, and same thing with, you know, platforms like Canva and Miro um, that I use on a very regular basis, as you know, mm. um, I, I use the paid versions of those because you know what, it's, it's worth having the tool, you know, that, that works. Um, and that, that's a lesson that I learned from my dad many, many years ago. He was a professional welder. And I still remember, you know, going to the shoe store with him and him, you know, getting like really good uh, steel toe boots, you know, with the metatarsals and and yeah. making sure that Check like they, yeah. they were top of the line boots. And he and I still remember, remember him saying, if you get a tool for the job, you get the best tool that you can get um, to, to do it. And because it, you know, it makes a difference in your ability to do to do good work. And so I, I've never... I've never hesitated to invest in, in good tools. Um, but, but that's not quite your question, which was about sort of innovation and sort of like, how do you keep, you know, your, your eyes on the shine. And, and my answer to that is I think you, you try a lot of things, but you discard most of them. Um, and try a lot of things, but discard most of them and probably uh, limit your trying, like uh, yeah. limit your trial space in your work week um, so you're not always trying because man, it comes every day. Try this, yeah. do this. Yeah. Um, try a lot of things, but discard most of them. I love that. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, like, so a, a good example off of AppSumo this week, I bought a lifetime uh subscription to uh, uh Hippo Video, uh, which lets you send emails, uh, send, send videos through emails. It lets you do like See, a sales right program. there, right there. I'm writing it down Hippo Video. <laughs> go check it out <laughs> no it's really cool and but i've i've been sitting on a free version of that tool for about a year and kind of dipping in and out of it looking at the price point saying yeah i can't really justify that yet but like now i bought it and i'm definitely going to be doing some things with it um with the level of work that i've got right now i'm probably not going to be able to do a lot but like i can carve out a half an hour here and there to jump in and kind of see what, see what I can do with it, see what I can build. I mean, it, it, it lets me do some good screen tours. So as you know, uh, we, we, we like to do, yeah. you know, sort of tours around the community. And so for me to be able to do a voiceover tour around the community and have like a little pointer that sort of shows where I am, um, that's a worthwhile tool investment, you know? Yeah. For, yeah. And the fact that it's, I thought of another thing to offer you. Uh, and another old saw that I believe in is um, multitasker tools are really important as well. Um, I'm 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 a fan of some old uh, Food Network shows, including Alton Brown. I don't know if you ever watched no, any of his I, stuff. No, uh, he you know he had a show that was called Good Eats that was on in the I don't know late '90s, early 2000s, and he's he's a he's I think a, an old guard of the the Food Network now. But uh, one of the things that always stuck with me from his show was he would look at different kitchen tools and kitchen utensils, and he would discard most of them because they were single-use kinds of tools. Uh, he really favored things that were multitaskers um, in the kitchen. And that, that kind of always stuck with me as well. I think that's an important thing to think about, too. Like, if you're going to get a tool, make sure it's not just for one really specific thing, that it's going to help you in a couple of different ways. I did the same thing with AppSumo last week with LoudDoc. Have you heard of LoudDoc? No. What does that do? Oh, my gosh. So, okay, we're having a little bit of a rabbit trail conversation here, uh, listeners. But this is a tool. LoudDoc allows you to take your your, um, PowerPoint, your um, PDF, upload it, and then do voiceovers slide by slide. Instead oh. of doing the voiceover over the entire span of the presentation, yeah, yeah, it limits your voiceover on each slide to two minutes. So, and then when you send it, the listener can jump to the different slides and go back and go forward. It's clever. Um, you like can that. go in and edit slide by slide and not have to re record the entire thing. So, huge win for that tool, man. I going to use that to build my whole dream accelerator course. Um, so Indeed. if you're checking yeah. out dream accelerator, you want to know what it is. I'm using loud doc to produce the content on that. So. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so 
we're getting near the end of our conversation. Unfortunately, I wish we could go out and have a drink together in two rivers and just hang out all night. Um, but we'll have to wait for that for another day. Let me ask you this. What would you like to say to the listener, the, the person that's got a dream, got a fuzzy idea that wants to pursue it? Maybe they've thought about it for years, but have been afraid to pursue it because the comfort level with their current situation is such that they don't want to give it up. Um, what would you say to them on their entrepreneurial journey? How would you encourage them today? I, I'm a huge proponent of entrepreneurs. Uh, I, I try to encourage uh, people locally uh, around that. I live in a part of the of the state that um, is just, I feel like starting to wake up. Yeah, uh, right. Entrepreneurship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. because for so many years, there were always sort of these big daddy companies that would employ them and their kids. And mm-hmm. when those companies went away and there wasn't anything for them. Then people floundered. And I, I think they're just rediscovering, I think what the roots of entrepreneurship really were in this area, but I get to have this talk, uh, with people, yeah. uh, you know, pretty, pretty often. And what I usually say is if you don't try it, you're going to regret it. Um, that you don't want to have to look back with regret to say like, I had this great idea for a business. And I, I just, you know, I stuck with the job, you know, I stuck with the job that I was in because it was, you know, I was making money for my family and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, I think that that, that kind of regret is a poison to you. If you don't take, you've got to take, you've got to take that opportunity, you know, when it comes up, uh, you know, you, you got to take the shot um, because if you don't, you're always going to wonder, you know, what's going to happen if I didn't do it. So when I work with people that are coming in the Dream Accelerator, one of the questions I ask is, um, what's the risk for you in going for it? Like, what could you lose in going for this? And so often the the person that's answering that question has a pretty quick answer. Like, um, I could lose everything. I could, they know they've lived with the fear of regret of failing in the effort. But they haven't asked the flip side of the coin. What is the risk? What is the pain? What is the regret if you don't go for it? Yeah. yeah. And that's where I have seen this 100% of the time when we've worked with clients. That's when the emotion, that's when I see the emotion. I see tears. I see people take a deep breath and sit back because they're like, I never really thought about that. And boy, if I don't do this. That could be a big, a big loss on my part. Um, so you're going to fail, guys. You're going to stub your toe pursuing what you're going to pursue. Sometimes you get, you pursue what you think the dream is, and you realize that halfway down the road, it's not really that, but it's this. And then you wonder, did I waste all my time getting to here? You know, and then you regret that you're not, and you just got to, you just got to follow the path, right? To, to your, your journey. And yeah, the bigger regret is not doing it, not trying. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As, as someone who's been through a, a number of careers and has had a, an eclectic path you know, yeah. through his life, I, you know, the, the, the journey is worth the trip, right? <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. think that I wouldn't sacrifice anything that I've learned along. You've learned along the way. at every step. You've learned something that you've brought along with you, right? Absolutely, yeah. For and my, you're more than you're more than one career or one job. We're more than one thing. I mean, the sabbatical, six month sabbatical from local ministry a few years ago for me taught me that I was a mess. It's like, who am I if I'm not a pastor? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm so much more than just a job. I, there's so much more to me than that. Um, and I, I think it's a plague of our modern existence that we have this tendency to equate ourselves with our, with our work. And I think it's okay to do that as long as you've thought through what that means. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a career space now, and I don't think it's going to change significantly, you know, in, in the next 10, you know, 15 years, maybe it will. Um, but I'm exactly where I need to be right now. And the work that I do is very well integrated with who I am as a person. Yes. And can you find that when you're 24? I mean, is it possible to come out of the gates and really, or do you get that through trying and through 
you know, learning and stepping into the opportunities that are in front of you. I think I, I don't, I, I think I know the answer. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think so. I, I thought I knew who I was uh, when I was that age. Of course. Uh, I think we yeah. always do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Until we realize that we didn't. Right. Totally. right. There was a new thing that needed to be unearthed. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think like the one lesson that I take from, from where we are and where we've been over the past, you know, decade at least or more is that um, new, new categories of jobs, new categories of work will continue to emerge. Oh, what, yeah. you know, what you, what you're doing, the work that you're doing, Jeff, you know, with the dream accelerator and with neighboring life, you're, in, you're inventing a new path. You're, you're blazing a new trail. And that's, that's a profession that nobody's come up with, but you know what, you may inspire or be part of the vanguard that inspires a whole field of, of people that are, that are going out and doing the kind of work that you're doing. So well, that's what I hope. That's, uh, that's what keeps me going, even though it doesn't happen quick enough for me. Uh, but <laughs> there it does. <laughs> right. Uh, Todd, what a joy to talk to you this afternoon. Thank you for taking the time. How can people learn more about uh, Clock Tower Advisors and m- learn more about you? Yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, if some, if, if, any of your listeners are interested in talking about um, building a safe, inclusive online community space for their, their organization or their company. Uh, they can reach me by uh, either finding me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. Um, or uh, by going to my website, which is clocktoweradvisors.com and uh, fill out the contact form and reach, reach me there. Um, I am delighted to just have a conversation with you and uh and see what it is you're you're trying to build i will always make time for you i'm very happy to uh to have those kinds of conversations and and uh give you ideas inspiration complicate your thinking about you know how these things work um that's uh that's my delight well take him up on it listeners i uh, i would encourage you he's a wonderful man and a good friend and uh testimony to your community um skills we haven't even met face to face and i call you a friend so that's really cool thank you the feelings mutual jeff absolutely yeah have a great day thanks again for joining us Ted. thank you jeff thank you for listening to the podcast today i got so much out of this discussion with my friend um i encourage you to get your pen out get a piece of paper out because you're going to want to write down some of his takeaways here we go ready Number one, if you are not satisfied with your current work situation, if you are working too many hours, can't call your own shots, don't have the freedom to live your life the way you want to live your life, away from work, perhaps it is time to stop thinking about doing something on your own and taking the steps to go out on your own. Number two, as you launch out, is there someone already asking you to do work for them? that could give you a solid start to your venture. Number three, get started. Get started on your dream. Even if it starts out as a side hustle, you will regret if you don't follow because regret always follows inaction. Number four, taking care of your family does not have to take a back seat to pursuing your dream. In fact, That motivation, taking care of your family, might be the thing that helps you actually get started and achieve it. Finally, number five, choose tools. I love the section where he talks about the tools and the search for tools and how most of them are pushed away. Um, But choose tools for your work that have multiple applications. All right, thank you so much, Todd, for joining us and sharing your story of Clock Tower Advisors. Hey, fellow dreamer. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, jeffmeyer.org, for all of the show notes and links. And when you're ready to move from overthinking about your dream to actually taking action on it, consider joining the Dream Accelerator community. Our clients are getting crystal clear on their dream with our Dream Generator Vivid Description 5-Step Process. They're discovering the truth about fear and how to use it as fuel to take courageous steps in the right direction. And most importantly, 
they are walking a clear path forward because they have made an investment in themselves to confidently realize their dreams. The results are so inspiring. Having coaching and companions on the dream journey is crucial. Remember, fear will come, fear will stay. Move forward anyway.